This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, January 27th, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. When the bank takes your house, they give you back any equity over whatever they sell the house for. But in 12 states and the District of Columbia, when the government takes your house for unpaid or merely underpaid taxes and fees, they keep that equity. Nearly 8,000 homes have been taken in this manner in recent years. Now a new case about to go before the U.S. Supreme Court aims to challenge that process. I spoke with researcher Angela Erickson and attorney Larry Salzman, both of the Pacific Legal Foundation, about the practice known simply as home equity theft. You spend decades building up savings in your home, paying off a mortgage, and it some people might miss a payment on a tax property bill or a sewer bill or maybe underpay it, and then the government comes in and they take their home to, to get that unpaid debt. But they don't just take the home and pay off the debt like a mortgage company might do and return the equity. They keep that whole savings, the whole nest egg that those those people have created and 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 then it's gone. And so give me a sense of the, the comparison. This is a state level operation that only exists in what? How many states? So this is a these are laws that exist in a dozen states plus D.C. where Every state has a tax foreclosure laws. These states don't have an opportunity for people to get their savings back, their equity back. I'll jump into an example. In Michigan, we represented a man, Yuri Raffaelli, who bought a home and missed a tax payment. And when calculating his taxes that he owed, including the the late payment, he miscalculated it by $8.41. He continued to pay his taxes. And this $8.41 continued to be outstanding until the county took this home, sold it, and kept everything for $8.41. So over a matter of $8.41, this guy lost the entire value that he had been sort of socking away in the form of paying off a mortgage. Yeah. So in this case, mortgage was already paid off. It was a He was using it as a rental property for retirement income. And all of those savings that he built into that were gone. This seems wildly out of step with what we would expect to be a legitimate function of government. Yeah, we, you know, as society, we've decided that it's okay for government to collect taxes and to use means like foreclosure to collect those taxes, just like a mortgage company would foreclose to 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 get that note back. Uh, going beyond what is owed is theft. And that's what's happening in these 12 states plus D.C. Okay, Larry, what is what is the the legal arm of the Pacific Legal Foundation? What do you have on the on the docket to uh, try to challenge this practice, this sort of what seemingly unconscionable practice in this, these dozen states? Well, we've been uh, challenging this process, this process of keeping the states keeping more than they're owed when they foreclose on your property, collect their taxes in many states for several years now. Now the United States Supreme Court has weighed in and granted our case, Tyler versus Hennepin County, Minnesota. And that's what's precisely before the docket. And the issue here is, as Angela described, Ms. Tyler was late paying her taxes. Ultimately, she owed about $2,500 in taxes. 
and the government puts a lien on your house when you don't pay your taxes. At some point, if you don't pay, they're going to have to collect. They're going to have to foreclose to get you to sell that house or they're going to sell that house from out from under you to collect the, the tax. The question here in Ms. Tyler's case and in all of these cases that we've taken on is they've got a lien for 2500 bucks. It accrued to about $15,000 in her case with penalties and interest and other sorts of fees. They sell the house. They sell it for much more than the $15,000 that you owe. They sold this house for $40,000. What happens to the difference? That's your property, in our view. You have a property in your equity in your home that you built up. And the question that the Supreme Court's going to answer is, what happens to that difference? What happens to the difference between what they sell your house for and what you owe them? We say it belongs to you. The counties in these uh, dozen states plus D.C. are insisting that it should just go to them. It's a windfall. You missed your tax payment. They should get everything. So uh, I can imagine there being multiple constitutional problems with uh, state governments enabling or, or actively engaging in this type of predatory behavior. The Constitution defends property rights in many ways. You have a right to due process when the government deprives you of your property. You have a right to be paid just compensation when it takes property for public use. There is uh, an Eighth Amendment uh, protection against excessive fines when the government uh, punishes you in some way, tries to take property from you as a form of punishment. We say in this case that the two most salient aspects of the Constitution are the uh, takings clause, that's the part of the Fifth Amendment that says you're owed just compensation when they take your property for public use, and the excessive fines clause, that sure, you may be, have, have done something wrong here, you didn't pay your taxes on time, they can collect a penalty. The penalty cannot be everything you have in your home. It can't be all the equity you've built up. It can't just be in the case that uh, Angela cited earlier that you owe $8.41, so they take your entire home, or Miss Tyler owes $2,500 and they take her entire home. That can't be right. That's excessive. Uh, a Angela, how broad is this? 12 states plus the District of Columbia, you know, in these kinds of cases, you, you might argue, hey, we're, we're trying to get a good precedent here. We're trying to get the court to, to go our way to prevent this kind of action or create a precedent that can be used elsewhere. Uh, but, it, it, you know, you expect sometimes cases like that to be almost one offs. So how broad is this problem? How often is the government engaged in taking far in excess of what they are owed in taxes or fines or fees? Yeah, this is in 12 states and D.C., and we've only begun to scratch the surface to see how, how big of a problem this is. So we've collected data in some of the taxing jurisdictions, localities, in nine of the states. We found seven. 1,900 homes, so just, just residential properties. It also happens to other types of properties. And their equity is close to a billion dollars that was lost over and above what they owed in debt, those homes. A billion dollars across 12 states and, and D.C. And somehow this has escaped uh, the notice of, well, for one, the national news media. I would think that this would be a scandal. Yeah, we it's you know, it's just a dozen states. So we've seen local stories in lots of those states. And this we have a report out at homeequitytheft.org that is the first to actually look at the national scope of this. And so we're hoping that this will help connect the dots so that reporters get to see it's bigger than just what's going on in their state in Massachusetts or in Arizona. It's happening 
across the nation. Uh, Larry, what is what's the ideal outcome? I think the ideal outcome is the government or the, the Supreme Court rather says that taking more than you're owed uh, is a violation of the takings clause, that the government has an entitlement to what it's owed. It's got to lean against your property. And that's all that it is entitled to. When it takes more, it's essentially uh, using your property to offset or collect revenue. It's just it's taking the rest of your property for public use. And almost by definition, when government takes property for public use under the takings clause, it must pay just compensation. So that's an ideal circumstance. We've got the excessive fines clause claim there because I think it's relevant. But if they agree with us that you have a property interest in your equity, uh, the whole matter could be settled on the takings clause to the extent that some states perhaps have uh, esoteric histories with respect to their property law and it's not so clear or maybe um, they want to not settle the issue for every state. They might say to the extent that the fine is not mitigated by the takings clause, judges have to consider whether the fine is excessive. And so that's kind of where this will go. But the ideal outcome is it's completely abrogated nationwide in one decision. It violates the takings clause and states simply can't do it anymore. So uh, correct my constitutional understanding, fuzzy that it is. Um, we have fairly recent uh, rulings from the U.S. Supreme Court related to excessive fines and fees. This one would seem like a slam dunk in that case because you have a clear uh, dollar amount that you can say, oh, well, this is now what the state owes to these people. Uh, you know, if somebody takes your livelihood or, or something like that, we can we can guess about what the value of that is. But in the case of a home, it would seem pretty clear. Yeah, it's interesting just to speak historically for a moment. The Supreme Court almost said nothing about the excessive fines clause for nearly 200 years of the Republic. And they really started speaking on the topic uh, less than 35 years ago, less than 30 years ago, maybe. And what's come out is that, yes, if if the government is fining you for uh, a remedial purpose, so, you know, they're trying to get from you something you've done wrong and it's cost the state money and they're trying to get out of you what you cost them, well, that's okay. But if they take more than that, it's a real fine. And then a judge has to weigh, well, how culpable are you for what you did wrong? How much harm did you really do to the public fisc, say, uh, or to other people? What's fair in that circumstance? It really is a question of fairness. And that's a case-by-case determination that judges or potentially juries could make. And uh, this case is pretty squarely in that vein. The question is, well, if you underpaid your taxes, you cost the, the public fisc a very definite amount. And maybe you're entitled as a state to get more than that because, you know, you had to hire the bureaucrats to go collect the money and badger people and uh, maybe even put the property up for auction and sale. So you got to collect those sale costs. So there's more than just what you owe in taxes that they could legitimately get. But when you start going five, 10, 20, 100 times more than you owe collected in the fine, it's pretty squarely unconstitutional in my view. Angela, you mentioned a billion dollars, more than a billion dollars. How over what time frame is that? So we looked over seven years and we are still collecting data. So we don't actually know the full size of it yet. So well over $100 million a year on average in in these states taken from homeowners. Yes, it's millions of dollars. I just was looking at Miss Tyler's in Hennepin County and in Hennepin County over a slightly smaller time frame, they took 
$6 million over and above what was owed in taxes on homes. That's one county. One county in Minnesota. Angela Erickson directs research at the Pacific Legal Foundation, where Larry Salzman serves as director of litigation. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.